If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. day it is welcome in everybody if you guys missed on the last stream you guys missed nothing i promise you um hopefully we're going to be able to get this in, in under wraps it doesn't look like it's going to be working out that well so we're just going to go without that the the website's up looks like it's still going up but nonetheless welcome in everyone my name is mr marco the bearded truth jason line thank you guys for coming in today still choppy still laggy i'm assuming so i'm assuming so any better for you guys? It looks like it's working out better on my end. Um, but it's... Yep, alright. So, nonetheless, if you guys have never been here before, my name is Mr. Merka, the Beard Truth, Jason Line. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for, for sharing your Friday nights with me. I hope you guys enjoyed your week. We have a lot to unpack today. Um, we have a lot. We're going to be talking a little bit about what happened with William Barr on Wednesday at the Senate Judiciary hearing. We're going to talk about Venezuela and the atrocities going on over there. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of the individual liberties that government thinks that you're not capable of being able to handle yourself. And so, therefore, they're going to pass laws in order to make sure that you don't have your way. So, we have a lot to get through tonight and, and many, many more stories than that. So thank you guys for being here, for sp taking the time out of your busy day to spend it with me, Mr. Merck of the Bearded Truth. I also want to give a big thank you and a big shout out to Muddy Waters Media for giving me the platform, allowing me to come out here to use their platform to share with you my, my views, my opinions, and uh, my thoughts on the topics of politics and social issues. Um, if you guys have never been tuning in for, with us before, you can always find us on Please like and subscribe to pages wherever you're at, whether you're on YouTube, on Facebook, or just checking us out from the Periscope land. You can also find us on a podcast. So if you want to find us, it's Muddy Waters Media. We just recently got on board with Anchor, with the Anchor app, so make sure you guys tune in for us. Uh, whether you want to take us on the go to the store, go go work out, go pump some weights at the gym, or if you just got that annoying coworker, you can always tune in to us instead of that annoying coworker. Um so let's get started now that it looks like the frame rates are not killing me now that everything looks like it's getting a little bit better. Thank you guys all for sharing this out, for helping support the stream, supporting the, the platform. 
Um, it is greatly appreciated because like what we've seen this week, people are getting deplatformed. So allow me to get big enough to where I am. An, uh, I am one of those people that has the, uh, has to be scared of being deplatformed. Currently, right now, uh, we of course are not quite there. Yet. So, first, want to start off with William Barr. So on Wednesday, he goes in and he swears under oath or swears under oath that he's going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And during this time, you, as you can imagine, the politics ran rampant. Right. Republicans were like, you did a good job. I've got maybe got a couple of hard hitting questions. Democrats go. Everything you said is a lie. We got to find out how you perjured yourself. You give falsehoods to the entire country. The entire 448 page document that you release is just a bunch of bull. You're just a liar. There's nothing in there that's honest. And you have defamed and disgraced the position of the attorney general. We got to get into some of those specifics. And I first want to start off with probably one of the most ridiculous ones there. Uh, Kamala Harris, right? 2020 presidential candidate. 2020 presidential hopeful. Does she come out and ask good, coherent, thoughtful, logical questions? Or does she come out and just be ridiculous? Of course. Of course she comes out with the latter. Um, she had two big questions that really show that she doesn't that she doesn't really understand the process, and she's just trying to grandstand by being able to. Well, she does understand the process, but she wants to grandstand and try to to go after people for this. The first question that she asked was, "Has the president or the White House ever asked you to investigate anyone?" Has the president or the White House asked you to investigate anyone or tried to push you? We will get to, we will certainly get to Hirono as well. Um, the idea that <laughs> the White House or the president doesn't talk to the people under him to be like, hey, you should investigate these people. Um, the fact that he said no, the fact that William Barr said no is pretty damn telling. But at the same time, could you imagine the question of somebody? Okay, imagine that you're sitting there and you look at another organization. You see the head CEO of that organization, of that department, and you go, has has he ever asked you to do anything? Has he ever asked you to be a part of your job, to do part of your role? No, no, no. No, he, he hasn't yet. All right, that makes Trump look bad, first off, if he's not going out there and going, look at all these criminal things that are popping up. Hey, you should probably start investigating these. But it sounds like from the rest of his testimony that William Barr is is hot on the case. He's he's on the trail of trying to find as much corruption, as much deceit, as many lies as he can find in order to pull away people and to tear them apart. That is good. Let's hope. Let's pray that uh, William Barr is going to be actually pushing through on these criminal uh, charges and actually clearing up some of the atrocities there in D.C. Because certainly, regardless of party affiliation, there are plenty of corrupt individuals. And I think that we all know, regardless of party lines, that it's true that there is a lot of corruption up there. And um, 
so it would be it would be nice if as these investigations continue on that they actually start locking people up, start throwing them into cages for the atrocities that they've committed, not only um, to the degradation of of politics, not only to the degradation of their specific positions, but also undermining the the government, which is something of course the government hates, but also causing the American people to have so much distrust in them. It would be beautiful to see that. Um, <laughs> Spike Cohen, if you guys haven't been following Spike Cohen, of course, you guys got to follow us here at Muddy Waters Media. I want Barr to expose the reptilian, reptilian child trafficking missions to Mars. He needs to. That, that, that is, he's got to get on top of that because that is, that's, that's where the big issues have been. The second question that Kamala Harris asked, and is certainly uh, one worth diving into a little bit, was she had asked William Barr, did you read the underlying evidence, the underlying evidence provided through the uh, 430 or 438 page um, summary, if you will, from, Will, uh, from Robert Mueller? And he said no. William Barr said no. He had said that basically he had accepted that the underlying evidence had supported what was in that, um, what was in what Robert Mueller had provided with, provided him with. It would be nonsensical. It would be ridiculous to go, all right, I'm provided with this giant 22-month investigation. I'm provided with the findings from the 22 months. And instead of accepting them at face value, I have to dive through each of the weeds of every little specific topic in order to make sure that I completely agree with the findings of somebody else. What was the purpose of the first 22 months if after those 22 months, you're going to have a smaller team of individuals redoing the investigation to confirm what was found in that? And so it's, it's, it just shows that either Kamala Harris has no faith in Robert Mueller, which would be contrary to what she's been saying, that he's going to run an integritist. Uh, investigation that he runs a tight ship that he's going to really come forward and and really push the indictment on President Trump uh, because obviously President Trump is is corrupt he's evil and and he's a he's Putin shill and everything else um, but of course when you're biased when your gut feelings when when your heart and your 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 being is so tied into a conspiracy that even when the conspiracy is is has the doors slammed shut on it. When you have everything sealed up and the special investigation is now finally over and you can't accept it, you have to find a scapegoat. You have to find a reason to go after somebody else to start tearing away at them. It is disgusting. Kamala Harris, who's running for the president of the United States, if you would like a kangaroo court as a a kangaroo court leader, there you go. Kamala Harris, vote for her in 2020. If you want to actually see... Uh, a better country, Kamala Harris should not be anywhere on your list. Uh, Senator Hirono, another wonderful Democrat that uh, just kind of really goes way far out, um, way way far out in left field when when she came up to to her time to questioning the uh, William Barr, the Attorney General. She was asking questions and being very vague, being very wide and obtuse, I think intentionally, because she didn't want to talk about specifics. 
But when she was asking, she was asking questions such as, you know, if the president was to threaten the family members of people in order to get people to uh, work in his way and to provide pardons, would that be acceptable? And William Barr has the most simple response that you could possibly provide if somebody wants to come out with a bunch of ridiculous hypotheticals. And that is, hey, is this actually happening? Is, is, can you give me any specifics on this? You might be breaking news to me right now. And instead of being like, all right, here we go. Here's here's some nice little analytics. Here's some dates. Here's some times. Here's some reports. Here's this. She goes, you know what I'm talking about. It's okay. You should give us some credit for knowing what the hell, what the hell is going on out here. Nobody has a clue, Miss Hirono. Nobody has a clue. Because you had some deranged dream while sitting on shrooms and and high off of that crack cocaine doesn't mean that everyone else in the world, everyone else in the country also had that same sick and twisted dream that you have. I'm all in favor of holding people accountable for the wrongdoings that they have, but you don't get to make them up and then go, all right, Attorney General, is this wrong? Is it? Is it? Sure, it's it still might be wrong, but nonetheless, it's uh, mm, it's not pervy or it's not it's not pertinent to the conversation at hand. This is this isn't something that's occurring. So if you want to give me specifics, we could talk about it, but you obviously don't have them, and it's ridiculous. This boy's always triggered. Thanks, thanks, thirty three. Appreciate that. Uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz actually had some pretty nice overview of the entire thing. Uh, was kind of straightforward about it all, and it was it was good to to lay that all out there, um, because he he laid it out there in chronological order, and the good summary, the the proper summary of how this unfolded, and some of the Democrats really did, because Ted Cruz was so late in the game, many of the Democrats actually did this during that time, so it was accurate for some of them, was that the Robert Robert Mueller sent him the notice, and then. Um, from there, William Barr released a four-page summary. This four-page summary basically said that President Trump did not collude with or collude or conspire with Russia, and he didn't obstruct justice. And so because of that letter, we had the full release, or we had the 19 pages released from Robert Mueller, and that was basically just a summary, just kind of putting a nice little bow on it and, and shipping that out to to uh, to William Barr for William Barr to release it immediately to Congress and to the public. Now, instead of releasing it in accordance with the way that William Barr or that Robert Mueller wanted him to, William Barr then takes the entire 438 page, works through, gets it redacted, takes him a couple weeks, and then releases that. So once once he releases all of that, Democrats were like, there was 19 pages that you were supposed to release. You didn't release those 19 pages. How dare you not release those 19 pages? We're, we're, we're not in a good position because you didn't release those 19 pages. You're hiding something. You're hiding something. And, and as a result, you had all 19, 19 pages within the 438. Those 19 pages within the 438, and so everybody got to see almost everything within the report. It was 10% redacted from the first volume, and it was only 2% redacted from the second. With those, 
With that understanding, many of the Democrats merely stood there in order to try to make William Barr look like the bad guy. And I'm not saying William Barr is by any means a great individual. I, I oppose him on many ideological things. But what he did and what he did or what he specifically did with that situation that was much more transparent than I would have ever expected. But Democrats have to find a reason. They have to find a reason. And during uh, Senator Leahy's uh, conversation, William Barr pointed out once again, he pointed out once again that in accordance with, the, with Article 2 of the Constitution, the president at any time could have ended this investigation if he was being falsely accused. And as the report came out, as this all has been um, been released, it was shown that President Trump was falsely accused, uh, falsely accused of collusion or colluding with Russia. So at any moment, that investigation could have been ended and there would not have been a constitutional crisis. There would not have been a crisis. There would not have been an issue as soon as they found out that all of the underlying documents, all of the things that allowed for the FISA court to go through, all of the things that built up this investigation were just a, a, a political hit piece. With that understanding, it really does show a, a true issue that's going on over there in, in Congress, in D.C., and the government as a whole. Senator Klobuchar, she noticed that President Trump had tweeted one time that Robert Mueller had spent $350 million in order to check his financials and his tax returns. And thus, those should also be released. Klobuchar believes that President Trump's tax returns should be handed over to Congress so that they can be distributed out for the, for the public's eye to be able to find out as much information as possible about President Trump. Because obviously he's just a corrupt guy who keeps getting... Vindicated on no collusion, on no crimes, on really no issue. But they must persist. They must resist. And they must be they must be dolts. Mm. When <laughs> this was this was kind of funny. Um, this was comical for multiple reasons. Throughout the day, William Barr had been short with some people on their answers because sometimes they ask some stuff that just really isn't necessary. I think that this one may have been a little bit more, may have had a little more ground, a little more, more substance there to be taken into, um, but nonetheless, I, I still kind of do agree with, with William Barr on this. So during Senator Blumenthal's discussion with him, he asks William Barr to replay, or not to replay, but to describe the, the call in which William Barr had with Robert Mueller after the letter was given to William Barr. And, and because of that call, um, because of the way that he had portrayed this, which was basically said that uh, William Barr called Robert Mueller and said, hey, man, what's up with the letter? I, I want to know, like, what, what are the issues there? Robert Mueller said that he was not worried about 
William Barr misleading. This is all from allegedly from the phone call that he was not worried about Robert or Barr misleading the public or misleading Congress or misleading anyone. What he was worried about was the media was mis- being misled and was misleading everybody else. And so from that, right, of course, the attorney general had this annotated, had this call uh memorialized a little bit, had it jotted down, had the notes for it. Blumenthal says, hey, can I get those notes? Nah, nah, you're not getting those notes. So it's it's a good, there's really, you know, they're just trying to, they're trying to grasp as many things as they can. And I think it's certainly something that at the ground level, if you believe that he was lying, subpoena it, push for it, go for it. Um, but he, the dude is under oath, and on top of that, quick theater mastermind Lindsey Graham steps back into the ring, and he says, all right, we're going to wrap up the show now, but I'm going to make sure that when we bring Robert Bueller in, I'm going to ask him, "Is there was how you described this inaccurate in any way? So you have the... You have the two-person verification there on Robert Mueller. Does Robert Mueller want to screw over Barr, one of his good friends? Is the is the nepotism there going to pre- prevent that, or is just William Barr being an honest guy overall during that during that discussion? Those are things that are, are going to be turning out. But nonetheless, this is not over yet because, like I just said, they're going to get Robert Mueller in there. They're going to see him, and we'll see. Just of how honest or dishonest William Barr is. I, is William Barr going to risk his his short term there as the Attorney General for the second time? Or is he going to be vindicated once once again and, and, and handle that? Are they related? They're not related. They're just good friends. Nepotism is friendships or, or family members. Um, yes. Uh, Graham did awesome was the comment. Graham did what Graham does in the two years before an election. And so Graham certainly swung hard at the left and he's got his issues there. Whether he's waking up to the idea that leftism is is a is a disgusting thing and that Democrats kind of are as the way that they've been working worthy of some serious opposition or not, time will tell. Um, but hopefully we can find a replacement for him during 2020 election. And uh, we'll see if we've got some good candidates coming up this way. And I will, of course, be following that as he is one of my state senators. Um, But beyond that, so on Thursday, on Thursday, William Barr was supposed to go see the House. William Barr did not show up to the House. And of course, this meant that uh, Representative Cohen, not, not related to Spike Cohen, um, but Representative Cohen felt the need to start mocking, to start mocking the Attorney General. Called him Chicken Bar. Had a little chicken. Had KFC. Had it had it nice and logoed out. Made sure that the Kentucky Fried Chicken was showing. That way everyone could see. He's a he's a good capitalist. There. He's making sure that everyone can see exactly who it is that's sponsoring him and making sure that his thighs stay thick. So KFC got a good spotlight there. And uh, he was going after him. And so the whole thing behind it, um, the, the perception, is because when, when the House was coming together, they were actually going to have their staff lawyers get 30 minutes to really get into it. Um, no, you're good. Um, that 
they were going to let the staffer or the staffer's lawyers really get into William Barr and try to get him into a, a trap or something was the expectation, was the perception. So, nah, if you're not going to subpoena me, I'm not going to go there. So, I think William Barr did a good thing. I, I think that when you have actual lawyers, actual people that actually understand how this stuff works, you don't want to actually sit down with them if you don't have to. Um, when it comes to when it comes to playing the the partisan politics, when you go and, and testify before Congress, whether it's the House or the Senate, you really have you don't have much to worry about. Let's be honest. If you are your opposition side, they're going to try to slam you. They're going to try and find find ways to box you in. But really, this stuff is just stupid. They don't play a smart game. They play politics. So you don't really have to worry about that too much. You can play a decent game. But when you actually get the big lawyers involved, when you get lawyers in general involved, um, you got a little more concern about how you actually word everything. So you might have been better off just not even getting in, uh, getting in there at all. Um, so we will see how the Senate and how the House goes. But... Um, in my, here's a comment from Tony Thomas. Uh, in my opinion, Mueller will not testify as he can't afford to be asked when he knew no collusion. Hmm, that is interesting. But that that is a that is an interesting spin. But I think he could get out of that. <laughs> KFC will suffer by those who are blocked by Cohen. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, that was an interesting turn of events, and certainly uh, we will keep following up as the Mueller investigation is finally being wrapped up, and the uh, hysteria, the hyperboles, and the the just the the lunacy there in D.C. continues on stronger than ever. Um, it's a huge issue. Um, I want to I want to turn over to an issue that is that is seriously I I don't understand. And that is that President Trump agrees with the Democrats and opposes the Republicans on something. Two trillion dollars. That's right. The commander in chief, the president of the United States, the uh, the MAGA leader himself wants to spend two trillion dollars more, despite the fact that we have a huge spending issue and not a and, and I wouldn't say a revenue issue. We just have a spending issue. Two trillion dollars is wanting to be spent on the roads as well as the roads and the highways. They want to spend it on roads or on more roads like the bridges. So Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the president all have agreed to spend $2 trillion to fix the roads, the bridges, the highways, and the roads. They got to be fixed. And so we got to throw out $2 trillion on where we're going to get this money from. It doesn't matter. We'll just tack it on to the top of that $22 trillion on its way to $23 trillion already. And, uh, great 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 grandchildren might be responsible enough in order to take care of this for us um i think that trump has bought into this lie this typical lie that we see from a lot of lefties where every dollar spent on infrastructure every dollar spent on the roads leads to six dollars of revenue if that was the case if that was the case let's do some quick math if we spend six trillion dollars we spend six trillion dollars on the roads right now so we triple that, then we would get $24 trillion back. We would be debt-free. But simply, if we spend $6 trillion on infrastructure, guess what we receive back? 
less than six trillion. We will have spent six trillion. We may help make make some revenue come back to us, but that's not a direct correlation. This is just one of those typical lies in which people try to use feelings in order to justify some some stupid atrocities. And as a result, nothing good happens. That's Trump change, man. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm on. That's a good one. That's Trump change. I like it. Um, I want to I want to shift over to uh, Alabama. A Democrat opposing an abortion bill said some pretty egregious things, some pretty disgusting things, and uh, oh, it, it saddened me. A Democratic state representative from Alabama is facing fierce backlash over his remarks in opposition to the abortion ban that was approved in his state, saying that some kids are unwanted, so you kill them now or you kill them later. Don't worry, boys and girls. You either kill them when they're in the womb or you wait till they come out and you kill them later. It's It doesn't matter. We're going to kill them because we don't want to have the kids around here. All right? They're all noisy. They run around. They poop their pants. Nobody wants friends that have pooped their pants. And I, nobody nobody likes me when I'm older, so nobody's going to like me when they're younger. Uh, we're going to kill them now or we're going to kill them later. Either way, we should be able to kill the babies. Kill the babies. Kill the kids. Kill the toddlers. doesn't matter. If I don't want you, we're going to kill you. Oh. So the the measure had passed in Alabama 74 to 3 in the house. And it would make a make it a felony to abor- perform an abortion at any stage of pregnancy. So just outright outlawing uh abortion altogether. Now this is the pro-life movement that has been moving uh, sweeping the country in a lot of ways, right? We had New York that came out and basically said, "Look, you could be on your way out." You could be on your way out of the womb, you still be aborted. You had up there in Virginia a very similar bill where you could be on your way out of the womb. Eh, it's fine. Lop it off. Let's go. Got things to do. Can't be can't be changing diapers and feeding babies. But what we've seen in other states, in Ohio, um, I know here in South Carolina they discussed it. Um, down here, obviously, in Alabama, they're pushing to actually push back against Roe versus Wade and to make abortion illegal, whether it's at the point of the heartbeat, which is between five to eight weeks, or whether it's like Alabama and just outright outlawing it and making it a felony. But nonetheless, the responses here, right, the responses here are are so starkly different than opposition to the pro-life or the pro-choice bills. The pro-choice bills, when you say, look, the baby's on its way out, the the cervix has been dilated, and that baby's crowning and coming through and you can still kill it, that's, that's a human being. That is life. If you were to nip that cord right then and there, that baby would survive. Pull it out, nip the cord, it survives. It is a completely viable human. So even by the standards of Roe versus Wade, it would be acceptable. It would be disgusting to end that life. But when it comes to this, when it comes to opposition of not allowing abortion, one of the arguments happens to be, kill them now or kill them later, it doesn't matter, they're going to be killed either way. Mm. I don't know how you live with that. I don't know how you accept that. I don't. It's just truly disgusting and disheartening to see 
that be your most logical, most intelligent argument that you can have in opposition to abortion. Now, of course, you can say, look, there's justifications, there's reasons why somebody may may need an abortion. And we shouldn't make them a felon because their life was at risk. Or, you know, whatever situation. You could put out an argument that actually has, that can actually be utilized. But instead, if you're just going to show your, your open colors that, man, we're going to kill them either way, let them die. Let them die in the womb. No, don't want to burden people with economic problems or or being responsible because they're just going to kill me either way. So let's just let them get, get killed. Mm. While we talk about disgusting people, and then I promise you we're going to get away from, no, we're, we're going to stay on the trend of, of bad things that are going on in the news. In Watertown, New York, this was on the 28th. So earlier this week, a former school bus driver who admitted to raping a 14-year-old girl will not spend any time behind bars. That's right, a full-grown 26-year-old man was sentenced to 10 years of probation after pleading guilty to third-degree rape. He's going to be registered as a level 1 sex offender, which is considered low risk of recommitting the crime, and is not included in online sex offender databases. Could you imagine... I want to know how this man forced himself upon a child, not a full-grown adult, somebody that is still through the process of maturity. And they go, ah, you're not that high risk. Ah, don't need to spend any time behind bars. Man needs to get his uh, his tally whacker cut off, all right? I'm, I'm, no, that's my child. He, I hope. If if anyone was to ever do this to a child around me and they don't go to jail, they're going to wish that they did, right? That's, this is, this is a huge fundamental issue, right? This is what the Me Too movement talks about. This is what people who are against sexual assault, against rape, against all of these things, these this is, these are the exact cases that are a fundamental issue. This shows that there is a, a, a huge, grotesque, glaring issue within our judicial system in which somebody can rape a child and not spend a moment behind jail. Sure, these people are treated terribly in jail, rightfully so. These people should be treated terribly in any society. They should not be given a slap on the wrist and given probation, regardless of how long, and not be required to be to announce to others around them via the online databases that they committed a crime, a heinous crime, a disgusting crime against a child. I cannot believe this. This is disgusting. But without the government, who will protect our children? Yeah, this guy, he would definitely be begging for the protection of the state. Oh. All right. Because I because I am a huge hater of the war in Yemen, uh, 
quickly just knock this one out. Uh, over there in Yemen, we've been involved with the conflict over there since 2015. That's during the times of Obama. Obama helped ensure that we could have arms and bombs and, and military officers and intelligence being passed off to the Saudis in order to help uh, attempt a genocide over there. President Trump used his first... Sorry, wrong. Used his second veto in his times as president. First one was to uh, not to denounce his own national emergency, which I agree with myself. Veto. Second one. Uh, this one was to veto the effective use of the War Powers Act of 1973, in which Congress says, no, we are pulling our troops out. We are not going to be continuing to support this war. And the President of the United States vetoed this. Well, just this week, we finally had them trying to veto the veto. And the Senate failed to override the veto. It was just a meager 54 to 47, uh, needing a 67. So they were not even close. Um, but this shows a huge fundamental issue in which the president of the United States gets to basically be a military dictator. Unless you can get 67%, two-thirds of the House and the Senate to get on board with shutting down these, um, shutting down the military actions of the president, then the president gets to do as he wants to. So now we have, instead of having a panel of people, which we used to have the Department of War, now it's somehow the Department of Defense, which we use for war. But instead of having a panel of people decide when we're going to go to war, when we're going to get into conflicts, and, and be able to utilize that in order to make sure that we're, we're being justified in our actions... Now we have the singular president of the United States doing this, and then he gets to do this indefinitely because Congress is ineffective at being able to stand in opposition of atrocities. Huge fundamental issue. All right. And we go into where some of you may get triggered. If you guys haven't heard Facebook is slinging the ban key at people. They are banning people left and right. And uh, in this week, the people who got selected for the lucky lottery draft, as announced by the Washington Post, sorry, yes, the Washington Post, which has since then corrected it, but CNN, who has not corrected it, it's all far right wing. Right-wing leaders, thought leaders, such as Louis Farrakhan. You know, the guy that hangs out with Obama, that hangs out with Democrats. Yeah, he's a far right-wing guy because we can just slap it on across everybody. Um, but for actual right-wing people, for people right of center, you've got Alex Jones. You've got uh, – oh, hold on. My mind just blanked on everybody. Let's see if I can find this. I can I can see his I can see his face. You've got uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. You've got uh, Paul jo Joseph Watson. Um, you've got you've got plenty of people on the right. Some of them do have um, pretty hyperbolic speech. Some of them do maybe incite violence because they trigger people. Um, some of them get on board with conspiracy theories and Instagram. Yes, yes, bam. Um, they get on board with conspiracies. They get on board with, with some, some hateful rhetoric and everything else. Laura Loomer, yeah. I still think that Laura Loomer is a lefty. She just talks about conservatism from the lefty side. Um, but nonetheless. And so... <coughs> they were banned from Facebook. And what we're seeing from the populace 
what we're seeing from the populace, Luis Farrakhan's far left wing, is they're calling for government intervention and control. They're saying this is the silencing of their First Amendment. That there is, the government needs to make sure that everyone and anyone is able to use the private property of Facebook because they're a public forum. Because they, they allow for people to sign up and to utilize their platform without having to pay for it. And fundamentally, that's, that's a very flawed argument because the First Amendment is, is just an acknowledgement of that right and the acknowledgement that the government cannot infringe upon it. It does not give you the right. Nothing in the Constitution gives you a right. It merely acknowledges the, of that existence of that right and says the government shall not infringe. When it comes to Facebook, Facebook has a right to their property. They have their terms of services. They make the vague. Uh, they make it so vague on purpose to make sure that you can be taken off for whatever means that they want, for whatever reason that they want to. And it also means that they are not just a a, a open forum. They don't become a content producer by saying, "Look, you can't." violate my terms and services right you violate those terms and services they can ban you they can block you they can remove you right these this is why facebook has a giant legal team is to make sure that they can they can thread the needle and and get through all the hoops and make sure that they're protected on this stuff advocating that the government gets involved on this does is not going to make this more free it's not going to make this more protected because when you say that you want the government to get involved and you force these companies to provide a service or a good to one other, all you're begging for is to bake that cake. And many of the people on the right understand that bake that cake is not okay. You don't demand somebody provide you a service or a good. You don't want a service or good from somebody that doesn't want to provide it to you, but you don't demand it because that's called slavery. Oh well, you got paid for it. Yeah, the slaves got got houses. They got food. They got they got their own forms of reimbursement. You don't. It's not acceptable. It's not tolerable. You don't force anyone into any transaction or into any interaction that they do not consent to. So on those grounds, Facebook could and did ban these individuals. I think it's wrong. I think it's entirely wrong. Facebook and Facebook should be allowing for anyone and everyone to to be onto their platform. But I'm not Facebook. I don't have billions of people logging in each each year. I don't have that. It is not my company. I don't get to dictate to them. And so the solution here is to be able to figure out how to pull together all of the people that find this just disgusting. And I may be one of them that find this disgusting, band together, work together, create the infrastructure, create the, the, the structuring and, and the framing, and create our the a new Facebook, a new platform like Gab.ai, but you have to build it from the ground up. You can't just build the app and expect that it's going to flourish. You have to build it from the ground up, and it's expensive. It takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of connections. But I promise you, if we can advocate for freedom of speech and advocate that people are not going to be silenced because of the content of what they say, whether we agree with it or not. The only solution is to have more speech. 
That's the only solution, and that's what we should all be advocating for. And I'm, it, it doesn't look as if that's what's coming on. That's that's not what's being advocated for. What we're advocating for is more government to get involved to, to help make sure that we are provided with exactly whatever it is that we want. And at, at this instance, it happens to be that they bake that cake. So hopefully you guys aren't triggered by that. Um, hopefully I... Sp- I, I put that in the best way that I can. I, I disagree with the movement. I disagree with the decision. But at the same time, it's it's not our decision to make. And they're well within their rights to do this. All right. There we go. Um, all right. And um, so I want to move over to Venezuela. If you guys that may be true. All right, so Spike Cohen, Spike the all wise uh Jew man, fantastic Jew man from Muddy Waters Media. Louis Farrakhan is a black nationalist. He probably shares more with the right than the left, but he wants to divorce from white America so he doesn't really fit in either wing neatly. Probably very extremely accurate. I, I I struggle to find when, um, whenever Spike Cohen is putting out some falsehoods. Really a big struggle there. Um, <clears throat> good. There's no comments on Facebook. So I want to move over to Venezuela. If you guys haven't been following Venezuela for the last, I don't know, 20 years, uh, President Maduro has been over there. He's been continuing to build up on the socialist ideas, on uh, continuing to grow the issues and the atrocities there of the government, getting too involved, trying to control, trying to regulate, trying to get in front of the markets, trying to control the markets, trying to control the food. And what ends up is that your money gets used as toilet paper and your toilet paper gets used as currency. Um, the the The... The food on the streets are the animals you find and many more atrocities. Well, this last week, it just got worse. So back in 2012, the Venezuelan government said, don't worry, guys, we're going to protect you. Let me take your guns. There's no reason why you guys need a weapon of war. There's no reason why you guys need to be able to protect yourselves. We've got you, bros. We've got you. We love you. We take care of you. With the government, all right? We give you health care. We give you food. We give you we give you everything you need. So we got you. So 2012, they take the guns. They, they rip them away out of the hands of, of people who agree or disagree with this. And <coughs> as a result, 2019, President Maduro loses a race, allegedly. I'm not following that race too closely. I know that there's, there's people backing both sides. You've got Russia. You've got China. You've got uh, South America. Or South Africa, I apologize. You've got um, Iran. You've got a lot of people on the side of Maduro, and you've got some people like the U.S. that are siding with the with the opposition, with the supposed winner of that race. Now that the feud has begun, of does Maduro give up his seat? Does he give up the power? Does he give up the reign over over this wonderful, successful socialist country? Or does he give it up? And so as a result, there has been 
foreign involvement, foreign intervention from countries such as America. John Bolton himself, Secretary of State, coming out there and saying, look, you patriotic Venezuelans, step up, stand strong, and fight back. Take down your government. Fight to to have your freedom, to have your voices heard. And voices were being heard until they were being trampled by, by the Maduro regime. By his military. They were driving APCs over the people in the streets. And the people were unable, incapable of being able to defend themselves because their natural right to be able to have weapons of opportunity to defend their their selves, their life, and their liberty in pursuit of happiness had been taken from them years before. Now, I cannot... I could not believe this, that that MSNBC aired a segment in which they themselves said that this sounds like a, this sounds like this is how it should be, right? You don't give your government all the control. You don't allow them to take away your ability to defend themselves. Because when you do that, what you're left with is them having all the control. So I'm going to share this with you guys. Let me hope it's not an ad. Let's hope that it actually loads. <laughs> I apologize. All right, we got the loading bar. You, America, will stand with you until freedom and democracy are. What he hopes is the final phase of his mission to oust Maduro from power. Vice President Mike Pence today expressing support for Guaido, tweeting, We are with you. America will stand with you until freedom and democracy are restored. That sounds a lot like uh, some government intervention from from foreign foreign governments, but nonetheless, Russia's not a problem. NBC's Kerry Sanders joins me now with more on the story. I know, Kerry, you've spent a lot of time down there. I think it has been surprising to a lot of people in Washington, in the administration at least, that this is taking longer than they thought, despite the sanctions, despite the pressure. With the help of Russia and other outside forces, Maduro is hanging on. Not only hanging on, but he appears to still control the military. You have to understand in Venezuela, gun ownership is not something that is open to everybody. So if the military have the guns, they have the power. And as long as Nicolas Maduro controls the military, he controls the country. And Juan Guaido and his supporters have tried to peacefully protest. They have gathered in large numbers. What we saw today when he met early this morning and stood there in front of those wearing uniforms appear to be rank-and-file members who may have switched their allegiance. We have seen over the recent months those who have switched their allegiance, but not en masse. We have not seen large numbers of the troops in Venezuela switching their allegiance from Nicolas Maduro to Juan. That's right, boys and girls. (laughs) They've got all the guns. You don't have the guns. (laughs) Regardless on how you feel about guns being held by civilians... I think this much is true. That a civilian populace that is unarmed is a civilian populace that is just the sheep to its rulers. That when you look at, when you look throughout history, a populace that is armed is a populace that doesn't get invaded. If we look back to World War II, Japan didn't want to come here because they believed that there was one 
gun behind every blade of grass. And that's absolutely true. The ability for us to defend ourselves, the ability for us to defend ourselves is what keeps us more safe. And so when you see atrocities happening, when you see schools getting shot up, when you see churches getting shot up, and people say, we don't need those guns, what you're saying is, hey, maybe it's not going to be our government, maybe it's going to be some other government, but somebody... You're, you're making it more accessible for somebody to invade us. And with the way that the fingers of the United States government's empire has been functioning, we are literally grabbing around the world. Our fingers are in all these different little pots and our fingers are, are quite red or our hands are quite red handed or we are quite red handed. Wow. I can't speak today, but, um, we, we've been caught red-handed involving ourselves in so many different governments and so many different instances and so many civil wars and so many different actions and sanctions and tariffs and, and we are just everywhere. And so why would we make it more accessible for somebody to invade us? Why would we make it more easy for even our own government to decide, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm done playing in our friends' backyards. Let's play in our own backyards. This is, this is a huge issue. Second Amendment is important, and I, 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 I think Shane Sweeney, one of my good friends, I think he said it best. My, my thoughts and prayers out to the Venezuelan people because it's never good whenever the government's about to intervene in your country. And it looks like we, we may be on the brink of intervening. Um, President Trump has, had strong, uh, has strongly condemned Russia for getting involved. Um, you know, the guy that everyone thinks is the Russian puppet, despite what the Mueller report reported as. Um, he, he said, no, Russia, back off, get out of there. It's, this isn't your area. This isn't you. Um, and, and, you know, as tensions build, as more problems arise, it may lead to a point in which John Bolton bends the ear of president Trump and we go in and we start bombing people. We start attacking people. We put boots on the ground in order to save lives. And at, at the, at the cost of our own, at the cost of us trying to get it more involved whether it's for the oil that's there that hasn't been getting collected because their government doesn't know how to actually run a run a company, or whether it's just there for literally a humanitarian issue, um, we'll be there for for many a years, and and it's not not gonna be good, not gonna be a good time. So, thoughts and prayers out to the people of Venezuela. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things can get better sooner rather than later. Now I want to I want to transition over to welcome in Claudia Miss Lottie. Uh, I want to I want to transfer over to Kentucky. Now Kentucky, you got your backwoods, you got your, you got your chicken, right? Mr. Cohen enjoyed some of their chicken on Thursday. They've proposed a bill that would ban tattooing over scars. The public health department wants to ban a common or a, a common tattooing process. Artists say that a concern is unscientific and harmful to clients. Paige Spears, a paramedical tattooist in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where she helps customers. Here, I'll, I'll actually let you guys read this with me. Um, she's where she helps her customers use tattoo art to camouflage scars and. Uh, yep, that word. And recreate areolas and nipples for customers who have undergone uh, mastectomy. 
Spear isn't performing medicine and she she and her clients both understand the risks of tattooing on sensitive types of skin. Nevertheless, Spear says a new regulation from Kentucky Department for Health would be devastating both for her shop and the studio tattoo company and for her clients. So imagine having scars that you want to cover up, right? I've got a nice big scar on my leg from, from a work injury that I would love to get covered up. I have scars all over my body that I would love to get covered up. And that, that was well within the plan. Utilize the scars in order to make the tattoo a little bit better um, or just cover them up. Having, if you're a woman that undergoes breast, uh, has breast cancer and goes through the surgery and the mastect- uh, mastectomy, having those areolas normalizes you a little bit. You feel a little more comfortable as a result. Having all of that be torn away from you because the government says, you don't need that. Not safe for you. You don't want that. We, we've we determined that um, your happiness isn't worth it. So we get to just, we get to control you. That was racist, by the way. Who's racist? Um, what was racist? I'm, I'm so lost on that. But it's just another instance where the government says, look, we're going to determine what you could put in your body or on your body, right? Down here in South Carolina, we, we recently had a bill that uh, the government said, if you're not... Even with parents' consent, you're under 18, you don't get to go to the tanning beds. So even if your parents say, hey, if you want to go to the tanning bed, you can go use the tanning bed, right? Prom night, you want to look good, you want to look great, you got to go out there and get get some, get some your, get your skin nice and bronzed. No, 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 you can't do that. We're the government. We're, we're, we're not only big brother, but we're also mommy and daddy. Um, yeah, so we have that. With vaping and cigarettes, we've seen recent legislation where the government says, hey, we don't think you should be smoking. Let's bump it up to 21 years old. Let's bump it up to 25 year old. Let's bump it. Uh, let's bump the taxes and double the cost of the cigarettes to encourage people not to do this stuff. It is all about the government saying, we don't like this action. And because we don't like this action, you don't get to have this action. This is a huge fundamental issue that we have countrywide. Where people believe that because they don't like something, that they get to prohibit somebody else from doing it. There are countless situations like this. And I hope that for once, it can be... Um, I got you, Cohen West. Um, that that one day we can go, all right, that's not for me. I, I, I will never marry a dude. I'm not, I'm not gay. I don't swing that way. That's not for me. You want to get married to a dude? Get married to a dude. You want to get married to a chick? Get married to a chick. It doesn't affect me. Don't force it on me. And I'm not going to stop you from doing whatever it is that you want to do. Enjoy your life. I'm going to enjoy mine. Let bygones be bygones. It really it, it really doesn't have to be this complicated. But for some reason, when the government gets involved, they want to control you. They want to dictate you. And this is why... We have a growing libertarian force out there. This is why the libertarian movement is growing. And I hope that you guys, if you guys are not already on that train, if you're not already in that mindset of letting people live, live and let live, that I hope that one day you'll be able to get onto this. Because it's great. It's much better to live this way. You're not going to be all worried about people. People will have 
butt sex next in the door next to you in the in the hotel next to you and wherever it is that they're doing it and they're not going to put it in your butt and you're going to be fine i promise you these are the things that some people get worried about it needs to go away <sighs> all right i think this is going to be the last article we're going to cover tonight commie california can't stop commieing So California Senate passes a bill that would keep President Trump off of the 2020 ballot. Keeping President Trump off the 2020 ballot. That's right. They want to do that because he hasn't released his tax return. So any presidential candidate that does not release their tax return will not be allowed on California's voting bills. Or on their voter tabs and their systems. They won't be allowed. So California State Senate on Thursday approved a bill to require candidates appearing on the presidential primary ballot, including President Trump, so the incumbent, uh, to receive to release five years worth of income tax returns. The measure was approved in 27 to 10, according to the Associated Press, California for the first time, or California for the first time, will be one of the first states to hold its presidential primary in the 2020 cycle. The bill is in response to Trump's insistence that he will not release his tax returns as presidential candidates traditionally have done. That's right, boys and girls. If there's a tradition, you must uphold it. If there's not a law out there demanding that you provide this, if you believe that you as an American citizen have some right to privacy to what you've done in the past, to your taxes, to the money that's been extorted from you, If you believe that you have that privacy, you have no room to be in our government. And so this bill, if you don't like Trump, you don't like the fact that he's not releasing his tax returns, this isn't just about Trump. This is about the state telling you who you're allowed to and who you're not allowed to vote for. This is the state coming in, attempting to pass legislation to ensure that no one is allowed to vote for somebody that they don't deem to be acceptable. Now, there are constitutional limits on what a president must be. To run for president of the United States, you must be 35 years or older. You must be a natural citizen. About it. In, in accordance with the 22nd Amendment, you could not have served for two terms before as the president of the United States. That's it. That's really it. There's not much more else to it. But they want to go above and beyond because right now it's politically fitting. Right now they have to find a way to oppose President Trump. But the thing is, is that even in California, President Trump has a 0% chance, a literal 0% chance of him getting a vote from any of the electoral votes there in California. Those 55 votes, oh, no, 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 don't you worry. They're going to a Democrat. It doesn't matter. And as Nancy Pelosi said, you could put a glass of water, put a D on it, and it will get the vote over President Trump or over any Republican there in California. That's a true thing. So this this bill is all about controlling the masses. It's not about hitting President Trump and preventing him from getting elected. No, it's just about controlling those Californians on who they're allowed to vote for and who they're not allowed to vote. It's a ridiculous precedent that they're trying to set. And it just shows that, once again, government wants to control you in the way that you function. So with that, guys, I want to say thank you all for joining in tonight. Are you accepting calls? I Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did, I, did click the, I did click that, didn't I? If you guys want to call in real quick, feel free to call in. 
The number is 802-671-5328. Again, that is 802-671-5328. The bigger pick looks off. Oh, was that me on the bigger pick? They know Trump has them by the tea bags. That's why they don't want them on the ballot. <laughs> by the tea bags. I love it. Yeah, if you guys if you guys want to talk about anything that I covered tonight, feel free to call in. I've got everything pulled up. Welcome in, Cher. Um, yeah, it, looking at this entire week, there's been a lot of bombshells. A lot of things that hopefully are going to wake you up to the idea that maybe providing government with the utmost power, giving them the ability, delegating your authorization to be as disgusting as they are, um, is not to our benefit. Hey, Forgotten Man, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in, man. What's on your mind? It's been a long time since I've called in, so I figured I would uh I figured I'd call in and we could discuss a few things. Absolutely. Go ahead. What's 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 on what you got on your head? Well, um I was uh, thinking about uh discussing a little bit about your your the mayor down in Alabama. Okay. It, it seems to me that um this abortion thing <laughs> I used to joke about um, about uh, this to uh, people who were pro-abortion mm-hmm. about how we we should have you know we should, a lot of their argument is well no no one can guarantee that these children that are not wanted that um, that they would have a good quality of life anyway so we should just abort them and then we don't have to worry about it and so I would always suggest this um, test you know let's have a quality of life test. When they're six years old or ten years old, and if they don't pass the test, you know, just kill them then. Yeah. And you know, back then they were like, "Oh my gosh, that's horrible! Don't, uh, oh, you you can't do that." But now the way this has all progressed, which I predicted that this would pro- progress this way anyway, that you can actually say that to a leftist today, and they would go, "Oh yeah, maybe we should do that." Yeah. So if they don't, if they don't pass a quality of life test, we should just end their lives. It it, it definitely that would, be, that would be normal. Yeah, they definitely have slipped straight down that slope and, and not not even like trying to pump the brakes or anything. They're right down that slope. And uh, it it's truly is uh, disgusting. And, and certainly, right, even when these uh, politicians, um, I think that when these politicians push these bills, I'm all I, – I'm – I'm very open that I am very pro-life. I believe in protecting the sovereignty of the individuals. I don't think that this should be a government-ran thing. But there's also another huge issue that I think gets ignored by so many people, and that is the uh, the adoption process in this country. is it, it's, it's destructive. It's terrible. It needs to be reformed. It needs to be uh, made more efficient, made more effective, and it'll allow people who – you know, meet a minimum requirement to to adopt children, get them out of these orphanages, get them into a loving home and, and out of the system because that's that's a huge issue all on its own. So it's not just about saving a life, but actually being able to allow um, others to provide for it. And it, and it sucks that I don't see the government getting out of that way. They just want a virtue signal and say, look, we're saving lives. Let's actually, let's make the lives better. 
adoption process is atrociously hard. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my aunt and uncle could not have children, so they, uh, there was actually a newborn child that they were looking to adopt. They never actually got that newborn child into their home until they were four years old. Wow. It was an over four-year process just to be approved. And they're, they're so concerned about whether, whether these children have a quality of life, but then they make the adoption process so atrociously hard. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it's kind of like an oxymoron in a way, because they're saying, well, they're not going to have a quality of life anyway, uh, but we've got we to meticulate every single action that any adopted parent wants to have just to make sure that these children are in the most pristine home that we feel that they should be in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could basically, you could basically take, have an interview or maybe a couple of interviews like you would, like, like you would if you're getting a job, and you could tell whether there's, these are going to be fair parents or not to the child. Yeah. Do do a couple a couple interviews out on the town. Do a couple do a couple interviews in the home. You know, pop up unexpectedly. Check out the house. Make sure you know things look copacetic, look good. You know, give it a, six yeah, I mean, months I mean, to a year of tops, and then once they're accepted, they're put into a program, and then they can you know you can work through that process. You basically uh, have it be just. I, I I don't want to in any way make it sound like I'm conflating uh, children with animals, but but have it kind of just like when you go down to a shelter and you pick out a puppy, you pick out a kitty, you know, you go down there and you can pick one out and then you can work through the process, get it knocked out and you can be, um, you can make a family. You can make a, a child's life much better. Oh, of course you can. I mean, it's much better for a child to be in a home, especially a loving home, than it is to be in an orphanage or it is to be in a, in a foster family. Where they have, you know, I mean, I, I used to know some foster parents. They were great people, but mm -hmm. you know, they had seven or eight foster children, and it was very difficult for them and the children for them to, you know, take care of those children. Yep. And you know, they they were always looking for for parents that wanted to adopt. So, um, you know, it's just, I, I you know, I, I don't understand it. And and this the slippery slope that we're going down with abortion is going to be. I mean, we're going to look back on this hopefully a hundred years from now and say that was one of the hugest atrocities that the human race has ever, has ever encountered in. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I have no doubt that 50 years, hundred years from now, we're going to look at abortion in the way that it's been accepted and normalized um, in our society by so many that it will be looked at very similarly to genocides that have been committed or, or attempted or towards slavery or other atrocities that have been happening um, generationally or through specific generations, through different cultures in our time, that abortion of the way that it's accepted is going to be the same way. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm hoping that that, that, that humanity would come to that conclusion a hundred or so years from now, but we'll have to see. I mean, right now it seems like we're going down the opposite um the opposite end of the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah well i think i think certainly when we look at both sides of it um definitely the pro-life is getting grounds in their states and they're they're pulling and they're pulling that line of when abortion is is acceptable they're pulling that towards uh towards conception or even not even allowing at at conception and then you got the pro-choice side and they're just pulling it and i think it shows that there's a a um um, there's a huge issue. There's there's a huge divide in our culture in our country, and um, 
you know, this this may be this may be the start of of I wouldn't say that this is the start of a civil war, but this is another big sign that there may be a civil war coming in our future. Yeah, I mean that's the feeling of dread. Uh, I have that feeling of dread, not just for myself though, because I'm, I'm a little bit older. But my children, there's a feeling of dread that there probably will be some type of a of a war, another one in our country because of this huge divide that we have between the two mm-hmm. sides. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate. But. Yeah. It, well, it, anyway, th- th- thank you very much, Jason, for letting me call in. Um, I'm going to try to catch your show more often and call in a little bit more. But um, you do a great job and continue to do what you're doing, man. I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for calling in, man. You have yeah, a good thanks one. Thanks a lot. Yeah, All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for calling in. Forgot, man. I appreciate that. Um, but with that, guys, I'll give it. I'll give it another minute. If anyone wants to call in, you guys are more than welcome to call in. But if not, uh, I will be wrapping up this show. And and like I was saying to him, you know, I, I think that we certainly are moving on on the the ways of of a civil war coming up of brewing. And and certainly, I've been um, <clears throat> I've been discussing this. We've been in a nonviolent civil war, but I think that. You know, as the grounds have been become more divided, as there there's more of a divorce between the left and the right, that this may be an opportunity um, for some some really disgusting uh, things, and and so I fear the day that we get into a civil war. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. Um, but you know, the the gun grabbers will have made it. A more even fight in in many regards. I know that there. I've seen throughout, um, looking throughout social media through through the twitters, through the facebooks, and all that. That there are lefties that are starting to buy guns, and they're they're proud of it. They're saying, "Look, I'm a gun grabber." I, or uh, they're 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 grabbing their own guns, and they're they're keeping them. They're arming themselves. They're training, and and you can see there's a, a there's um. There's some really high tensions percolating in this country, and and I fear for the day in which it becomes a nonviolent civil war and actually becomes pretty gruesome. Um, but the only hope that I have is that liberty will prevail, that we will come out a much freer nation. But you can only hope for so much. But with that, guys, I appreciate you all for coming in tonight. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Um, the next time I'll see you guys is going to be Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Muddy Waters Media. You can follow us. You can tune in to us and see all of our archive shows at muddywatersoffreedom.com. You can tune in on Facebook, on Periscope, or on YouTube live. And then you can also find our, our podcast on any of your major podcast platforms under Muddy Waters Media. We just started out over there at Anchor. So if you want to find us out over there on Anchor, um, tune into the app. Take it with us on the go. Listen to us whenever, wherever. Um, Thank you guys all. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Um, Do not drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family, friends who care about you and love you deeply, and they want you to stay safe. And I'll see you back here Monday night. I am Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Have a good one.